Squared podcast. I'm David Kramer coming in from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been great friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. And much younger. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world, or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, an economics degree, over 60 years of work experience, going on 70, and I think we own four dogs between us. And we're making this podcast together to try to help each other, and hopefully you, the listener, save some money. So, Mr. Kramer, what is today's topic? I thought it would be interesting, because you have been thinking about this a lot recently, to talk to, I'll say, our younger listeners about the concept of renting versus buying. Um, We all think we know the answer to that, but it is worth putting some numbers to it sometimes, I think. Yeah, and it's a complicated question because I recently went through this with my daughter who is um, moving from the big city to um, parts of Michigan and uh, considered, you know, buying a place. Yeah, and I think it's been our experience and the common wisdom is accurate that buying is better in the long term. But I can say from personal experience, it is certainly possible to overpay for something. And um, yes, and then you're not able to hold on all the way through, right? Over 20 years, real estate will go up. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I consider myself pretty financially literate, but in this area, I'm not sure that I really have a definitive answer, which is cheaper or less, you know, which is cheaper, which is better. I think it depends on your situation. So, you know, I've owned a home probably since 1992, three, three different homes and been pretty fortunate, but I think it's possible that some people would argue that you're better off renting. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you know you can be in a place for 20 years, I would say it's kind of a no brainer. So when we we're buying, we're buying a beat cheaper, right. Or more better, right. Better. Yes. I think it's fair to assume that inflation is going to be a thing, even if it's small. And it's always, in our lifetimes, inflation for housing seems like it's always been more than for other things, consumer goods. Mm -hmm. So if you can buy with a long mortgage and fix your uh, housing payments, over time it will catch up and you will be, uh, you'll do better. The thing is, you can't always stay in the same place for 20 years. Yeah, that's and that's kind of one of the things my daughter and I went through is she has a, I call it a job, it has a somewhat of an end date after two years. Like, so she's a postdoc student and she has a postdoc that te- technically ends in two years. And I think the rule of thumb people say is you should probably plan on being in your house for three to five years before you make it pay off because of the fixed costs of selling and moving. That's true. Moving is expensive and closing costs and points you need to, I don't know how you figure out what they are, but it's in the thousands of dollars. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, it's expensive. And if you go with the traditional realtor route, the seller traditionally, and that's maybe changing over the last 10 years or so pays 6%. So it, it's a, it's some, it's a, something would be quite a bit of money. I've been fortunate. I've bought, three houses. The one I'm in now, I've been in for 25 years, but a couple of them I was only in for two years and I end up not losing money, not making a huge amount of money, but just it was in a appreciating market and we just, I lucked out. And I think that's one of the things my daughter thought about is worried about 
am I going to get stuck selling a place? Home prices have gone up. I know in Phoenix area, 20%, I think where she was looking in um, Ann Arbor, Michigan, home prices have gone up quite a bit as well. I'm not sure if that same amount, but the market was generally very hot and heavy a month ago. Yeah. And it, it is tricky. You got a lot of, a lot of uh, variables and not enough equations because you have to live someplace, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about uh, investment properties. We're talking about your primary residence and everybody needs to live someplace. Hopefully everybody's lucky enough to have a place to live. Um, so yeah, you've got a short time frame that would argue for renting. Um, one thing that pushed me over the edge to buying, even when I talked myself into renting making more sense, was that and maybe this isn't as true anymore, but rental properties aren't in as good a neighborhood as owning properties, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Um if you're looking at single family homes, there's the, the selection of rental properties are very small in the most desirable neighborhoods. Like, are you aware of any of your neighbors renting? Um, there are some in my neighborhood. I think when I first moved in 25 years ago, I think there was almost zero. Cause this is, this is a, I'll call it moderately priced middle-class neighborhood. But over the last 10 years, there's certainly been a few homes that I know that are rentals. Um, right there were a couple that I can see from my house. One's gone back to owner occupied, but was, was a rental for a few years. So, and, and they're pretty, I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty nice. Cause the homes here would be smallest. There'd be homes in neighborhood, three bedroom, two bath, up to wait up to five bedrooms, three baths, and then some four bedroom models. So it's, you know, they're pretty nice and it's a pretty nice neighborhood. I think it's more popular for them to be distributed widely now since the last real estate crash. A lot of big companies went in and bought houses when they were undervalued, you know, they're below replacement costs and made rental properties out of them. Um, so I think it's more popular than it might've been when I was thinking about this 20 years ago. Um, Cause you do find when you just look at the cash flow, it is makes more sense. It's cheaper to rent people count on the appreciation when they're figuring out how much to charge for rent. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but I always say, you know, your home, you can't make any money on your home unless you do one of two things, which is become fifth, get, get older and take a reverse mortgage out on it or move from a high cost area to a lower cost area. So I don't look at my, I don't look at my house per se as an investment because I don't make any money off it until I sell it and then either move into a smaller place or move to a cheaper location. I agree with that hundred percent because you have to live someplace, but you know, part of our goal in life is to develop wealth to pass on to our kids. And that's how you accomplish it. Yes. Now you're living in a $500,000 house, but before you're living in a $200,000 house. So theoretically, your net worth is $300,000 more, even though you're living in the exact same damn house. Oh, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about the passing on to my heirs part of it. I was thinking just about in the present while I was alive, but yeah, no, it, it, is, a, it is a good way. In most places, I mean, in places I've been fortunate to live, home prices are appreciating, but there are some places in the United States where home prices are not appreciating. 
But it does, it also, like it gives you more security because you have a home equity line of credit that you can use for your emergency cash instead of having to actually stash cash somewhere, which is hard to do. And we've talked about that. So those of you who are homeowners should get a home equity line of credit, even if you don't use it, just to have it. Yeah, and one way you do kind of cash in on it, like uh, a fellow I know here uh, went to work from a startup to work for Apple. And he told me that Apple was aggressively recruiting people who already owned homes in the uh, commuting distance to Apple's headquarters in Cupertino, hmm. because you pay somebody to move here and they have to buy a house at the current value, as opposed to somebody who's been here for 10 years, five years, 20 years. Um, so they're getting paid. You understand what I'm saying? You get them paid what is necessary for somebody to live here and your costs are lower. So you can accumulate wealth that way. Right. Your neighbors have to have to pay twice as much as you do for their mortgage because it's yeah. appreciated so much. I think you made a good point before about home ownership is over the long run, I think it is cheaper. If you like your neighborhood, if you know you're gonna be there. So you know, some people wanna live in a certain spot. Then if you know you wanna live in a certain spot, I think you should buy a home in the neighborhood you want to if you can if you can afford it because it'll be cheaper over the long run for certain. And you can fix it up however you want to, right? Or if you live in a rental, you can't do that. You can modify it and you know it's going to be there. I think the only downside that I tell people is I've been in this house for 25 years and I've been fortunate enough to pay it off. It's nice not having a mortgage payment, so it is cheaper. But what you have to think about is maintenance costs. So um, as your home gets older, there are some pretty heavy duty maintenance costs. And as I was talking with my daughter, when you own a home, things aren't so much per month. So when it comes time to redo your roof, you're gonna have this big darn check and you know, 12 grand to redo the roof, depending on what kind of roof you have. Uh, got concrete tile that cost a lot of money, very labor intensive, but lasts a long time. You know, right. Paper or tar paper is cheaper, but you have things like that. AC breaks, six grand there, right? So, um, I think sometimes you have to factor those things in and keeping up with it over time. Yes, that is definitely true. And uh, I mean, one good thing is um, it seems like to borrow money for a home now, uh, the lenders are more careful about letting you make the kind of mistakes which were possible when we were we were just starting out. So um, they check to make sure you haven't borrowed your down payment and they check to make sure you can pay for utilities and taxes and stuff like that um you can still get over your head if you buy a house that needs a lot of work i wanted to buy a house when i was in my early 20s and i only could afford a fixer upper and i just wouldn't have been able to buy materials or labor to do the work to fix it up um so it wasn't possible i ended up buying an, a, an apartment which didn't work out well for me uh -huh. but that was the best i could do at the time um so yeah, you definitely I, I want to think about it. Yeah. The one thing I had brought this conversation with my daughter, because we just went through this, is, is interest rates are so low. I don't think they'll ever be any lower again in our lifetime, maybe never. And it's just amazing your purchasing power, because our listeners are are savvy folks. Uh, you know, interest rates and the cost associated interest rates is not a linear function. So you can get a mortgage for 3%. It's amazing with 3%, she was qualifying for like six times her income back but back when you and I bought our first places, maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, you the rule of thumb was like two to three times your income back in the day, right? 
Right, right. Um, <laughs> of course, that's big. That's mostly what's driving the inflation in homes is because you did exactly that math, right? It's how much you can afford a month. It's not how much house you can afford. Yeah. You can't make a head around that. Nobody has a hundred thousand or a million dollars in their pocket to pay for a house. Yeah. Uh, except around here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, except where you live, Northern California. I think, you know, in, in a way, we we kind of crunched the numbers. I think it would actually have been cheaper for her on a per month basis to actually buy than it would be to rent. And the thing about it was um, she was just worried about having to leave after a couple of years and then eating it on the realty costs and the closing costs. So that's kind of what drove her the other way to some extent. Yeah, I can see that. Also, you got to tie up a bunch of capital. And uh, one reason it's uh, in, in a place like that, the reason why it's cheaper is because you don't have any maintenance or landlord. You know what I mean? There's no no super to call when the sink is clogged. You're the super. So yeah. you're not paying yourself for that. So it saves money. And you would think, and, and we added, you know, we added, we estimated maintenance kind of based on, we did some web searches and estimated maintenance. Um, but I think it was still a bit, you could get a bigger place for about the same amount of money. So, so you could, I mean, what that leaves you with though, is that it, it, if the cost for owning are less than the cost for renting, then you should be able to hang on to it as a rental property with positive cash flow. Yeah, we looked at that. I mean, she's moving to a college town that has a huge amount of, I mean, moving to Ann Arbor, Michigan, there's a huge rental base there from students at the university. There's a huge medical center there. I don't think you'd have any problem renting it. We kind of factored in if she moved away, she'd have to pay someone probably to manage it for her. And so then your costs go up a little bit more and yeah. she's not super handy around the house. So if you're like a super handy person, I know people at work who have bought rental property, they'll go over and fix their stuff themselves. So it's a bit cheaper for them and they're available to go over and do it pretty much anytime, except during Monday through Friday, you know, eight to five when they're working their regular job. Whereas if she was worried about moving away and having to manage something remotely, I think that was what worried her. Yeah, that's totally reasonable. I mean, if you feel confident you're going to be in the same place for five years plus, I think owning is probably a better answer. You still got to still got to run the numbers because yeah. some places everybody gets excited about owning, and around here it's just significantly more expensive than renting. Yeah, and to your point you made before, is you got to add back in some implied maintenance costs because that's what your landlord already has that baked in. So if your landlord is providing you with a washer dryer. Uh, which is the case where she's rented, right. you got to figure, I mean, you got to plug stuff like that in. So that washer dryer will last 10 to 15 years, maybe longer if you take care of it. But you have all those things like water heater, air conditioner, heater, washer dryer, because if you don't add that back in, it always look, it'll always look like buying is cheaper because that stuff's implied in your rent and it's not obvious. Yeah, that's true. Fixing the roof. Um, paying for her place uh, is a house that's been subdivided four ways and someone's going to shovel the, the walkways when it snows, all that's baked in there. Mm. Yeah. Because otherwise, when you run the numbers initially and just look at the principal plus interest, yes, it's always going to be way cheaper. It's like, why wouldn't anybody buy a house? Well, because you haven't factored in these things that your landlord takes care of, like fixing everything and providing appliances that are working. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
and it doesn't seem to have affected home prices, but when we were starting out, the tax codes were pretty clear that the only deduction a guy like you or I had, you or me, anyway, that we had as, as working stiffs was your, your home interest, basically, and maybe right. some charitable deductions. Um, but now that the standard deduction is so high and interest is so low, most people in a modest house, I shouldn't say modest, average nationally priced house, there's no there's no benefit to that, right? Right. You don't get sub there's no subsidy anymore for mortgage interest deduction yeah. from for, for a lot of people. Yeah, which politically I can I think I can agree with. Though I, I understand the I think I understand the uh uh what do you, how do I say it? That, why it's a societal good to encourage for government to encourage homeownership because people take care of their homes better than they do prices they rent. But that might be uh, the closet white supremacist in me talking. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. Um, but yeah, so I think it, it's hard. It's a hard decision. I think just having gone through it, I think she really looked at one condominium for sure. It was pretty, it was a pretty tough choice, but I think just that worry. So I think you want to make sure you're going to be in that spot for three to five years. Now, nothing's ever permanent. So you never know, really. And there are a couple of times, like I said, I lucked out living in Nashville, Tennessee, living in Columbus, Ohio, that had rising home prices where I sold a house yeah. after two years and didn't lose money on it. Normally, you'd lose money on it. Didn't lose money, made a little bit of money, but didn't lose. She just worried about losing money and then potentially having to sell. I think we're probably at the top of the market. I know my house has gone up way beyond, well, not way beyond, but it's gone up. Another five percent over where the bubble was back in 09. and so I don't. Again, I don't look at my house as a from a wealth perspective because you got to sell it. But yes, I can pass it on to my heirs. But I think she was worried about being there for two years and then selling and having home prices decrease like ten or twenty percent. Then you're in a real hurt. But like yeah. you said, you, you could rent. You could rent it. So, but I don't think she was just prepared mentally to have that responsibility of having a rental in a city that might be a hundred or thousand miles away from where she was living. Yeah. When, when I bought this house, it was at a peak in the market. Um, you know, and it, we outgrew that pretty quickly, but my reasoning was, okay, buy a single family home. That's a little further from work, but big enough to live in for decades. It could be our last home ever. So worst right. case is if you can afford it now, you can afford it 10, 20 years from now, and you just right. sit and wait it out. Right. So I, my thought in a high market is you, if you can, you figure out how to buy a single family house. I don't have anything against condos or townhouses, but I think their value whips at the end of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, uh, the, whatever you want to call it, the cycle whip. So they go oh. lower lows and higher highs. Oh, because there's more action for buying them for investment properties than there are in single family homes. Is that why? You, why? I think that's what it is. And I think it's because they're more um, mobile people who are forced to sell uh, when things get bad and they're more likely to get um, uh, repossessed. And a lot of times they're big developments, right? So there's um, the developers um, subsidize it. Um, and maybe push it a little too hard. And maybe some people are investing in second homes. And like you say, then, then they get caught when their income goes down because of a, a downturn in the economy. So I would really like to buy 
a condominium type or multiple condominium types next time the market goes with crashes down because they will they can double twice as fast as a house and then you can sell them and get out or you raise the rents because one thing about if you don't live in it you can raise the rent and right. fix your costs on the mortgage side um so that that's my take on it and i chickened out of doing that last time around because the downside of being this condominium you are part of the community and if none of the condominiums sell or everybody defaults then nobody's paying the maintenance fees and now it's not just paying for replacing your roof. You're trying to replace the roof on a 30-story building, right? Right. And that's really expensive. Yeah. I think you may have mentioned this before, but you know the other thing with homeownership is that your costs technically decrease over time. You, you, can, you would assume that your salary is going to go up somewhere around the cost of inflation, but your principal plus interest, if you have a fixed mortgage, um, and, and now's a good time to get a fixed mortgage. Fixed rate mortgage goes down over time in real dollars as say prices go up. So your cost of the monthly fee goes down. Right. And you know, if, if you can stay someplace for decades, hopefully your earning power goes up more than inflation. Right. You know? Um, but that's why inflation is important for the way we've built this Ponzi scheme we call capitalism. And when because <laughs> when prices start going down, that doesn't work anymore. Now you're stuck with it. So, and inflation has been stubbornly low until recently. And there was a lot of concern, right, that we'd end up being Japan. Like, well, I'm not going to buy a TV tomorrow because next week it'll be cheaper. Right. Yeah. It's hard to say. But I think overall, I think you're right. Buying a home, if 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 it's the place where you want to live and you plan on living there, is a is a good investment, and you can change it around however you want to and make it your own. And just, uh, I think the thing is you got to think about maintenance over the long term. I, I think that's where I see people. I've seen that in neighborhoods. I saw that like in my father-in-law's neighborhood where people, once they start to retire, cause I've, you know, they can't keep up with their home. They can't afford to maintain it. I think people get themselves in trouble when they buy too big a house. Cause when things are new, there's very little maintenance, but after 20, five, 30 years, the maintenance goes up and you can't afford to maintain it. Yes, that is true. Um, yeah. And if, you, <laughs> if you're buying a house, it is a lot more work. I mean, uh, your house was, was it, it was new or almost new when you bought it? Six years old. So it was okay. built in 88. So when you buy, that's kind of the sweet spot because you already have blinds, there's already landscaping in if you buy a brand new house, you've got to put another twenty or thirty thousand in it to make it livable, or make it—I I shouldn't say that, but you know what I mean. It's very easy right. to, to do that with stuff that you think, "Oh, that's no big deal." And they're like a thousand dollars a window for blinds—that's crazy. That's a good point. Our first home in Ohio, we we had it built and we moved in, and there were significant costs because we didn't have any window treatments. It didn't have a backyard, um, so that was something I hadn't thought quite through from a cash flow perspective. Yeah, and we bought our house. It was in good shape. It was whatever, 50 years old. No, uh, 35 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and it had been remodeled once in the 90s, but then you're like, this is terrible. This is, you know you know what I mean? There can be yeah. stuff that you just, just hate yes. um, stylistically. Right. And, uh, you know, he, that takes time and then, but you do learn some skills and if you're doing it yourself, it's still, I still maintain the math is 
you can take four times as long as a professional and still save money. Yeah, we've done some stuff in our own home, like painting, repainted everything, refinished the kitchen cabinets ourselves. It took a long time, but it, it looked reasonably nice and I'm certainly a lot cheaper than having it redone. So that's a great way homeowners can save is th those skills are not hard to learn how to do. It's just time and, and effort and the gumption to stay with it. Yep. Yep. Find the time. And, you know, if you can think of it as a hobby, because um, it's fun to buy tools and stuff and the, and the, it, you do have a sense of accomplishment when you do stuff, if it's reasonably high quality, sometimes it's embarrassing then you have to pay somebody to fix it. But that's the worst thing that happens. So that's one thing I always think about, like, what's the worst thing that happened? If you try to refinish your kitchen cabinets, you can pay someone to come in and clean up your mess and it won't really yeah. be more expensive. Yeah. And you didn't like them to start with. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, it, if you can buy, buying is great, but certainly if you need the flexibility and the flexibility could be two to five years of flexibility, you know, cause if you buy, like, if you buy something when you're single, when you get married, if you're, if your significant other owns a home, you have to sell one or it's going to be too small. So uh, it's easier when you know what your, <laughs> your personal plans are going to be for the next couple of decades, even if they might change, but you know, when you think you're set anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think the time, if you're really considering doing time is now because interest rates, you can get a 30 year mortgage for 3% right now. Just crazy low. Well, the time is probably 2010, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, that was the thing it was in 2010. It was clear. Look, it's 1966 again. Let's go buy some stuff. And I, chickened out because uh nobody was lending money right it was and we should have pooled our resources and bought something bought a bazillion uh, houses on auction yeah yep yep have a little gumption and then uh you know lease them out to people who lost their houses on a rent to uh, rent to own thing and would have been doing a service for the community and uh but it was interesting. At least this time I knew I was making a mistake. <laughs> we talked about, right, the developer's prayer, which is, uh, Lord, please give me another real estate cycle. And I promise I won't miss it this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might get, you know, it's interesting. Stock market's way up. Housing prices are way up. We might, we might see a pullback here in the next couple of years. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm surprised house prices kept going up through this, but. It was a weird market. I think, you know, where I live, they're up 20% in a, in a year. I, I fully expect they'll be flat, if not probably trend down a little bit. Yep, yep. Oh, well, all we can do is keep our eye out for opportunity. Well, any final words? Take a look at it closely if you're thinking about it because rates are low. That's my thing. Numbers are your friend. All right. Well, thanks, Dave. Thanks, audience. Uh, we'll look forward to you. Sorry for the hiatus between the episodes here. It was a lot of excitement as the world was opening up again. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.